Journey to Becoming podcast is all about the changes, transitions, and transformations we encounter on our journey to aligning with purpose and living life with intentionality, fulfillment, and impact. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and my mission is to help those starting their entrepreneurial journeys or simply shifting gears to better align with purpose by sharing the journeys of others, offering practical tips and strategies, and providing encouragement to help you pull through whatever obstacle is standing in your way. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and join me on this journey of discovery. Joining me today on the Journey to Becoming podcast is Julia Campbell, recently named one of the 25 most influential nonprofit thought leaders and one of the seven nonprofit thought leaders to follow on Twitter during Corona crisis. Julia is on a mission to make the digital world a better place. Julia is the author of two books, Storytelling in a Digital Age and How to Build and Mobilize a Social Media Community for Your Nonprofit. Her passion is to get organizations and change makers to stop spinning their wheels and start getting real results using digital tools. Welcome to the show, Julia. So honored to have you here. Thanks, Sabine. I'm really thrilled to be here. Awesome. So, so much I, I want to know about the work that you are doing in terms of helping nonprofits like step into the digital age. Uh, but before we get into that, I'd love for you to share with us a little bit more about you personally and your journey and how you became this, you know, most influential person or one of the most <laughs> influential people and this amazing thought leader in the nonprofit space. Thanks. I know that's such a intimidating question, but I love to answer it. So I'll give you just kind of the short version. I mean, I have always been an activist and a lover of social causes. Since I was in sixth grade, I started a recycling program at my middle school when they told me there could not be a recycling program. I started the Gay Straight Alliance at the high school where I was. This is in the 90s and things were not, those kinds of things like just were not done. Even though I live in Massachusetts, supposedly, you know, liberal bastion of, you know, progressive politics. And all throughout college, I interned with nonprofits, worked with them, but I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to write. I wanted to explore different cultures and tell people's stories and when I graduated from college, what I found very quickly is that the magazine industry was definitely not for me. This was in the late 90s when magazines were still flourishing and jobs were falling off trees and everyone that I knew that graduated got a job. And I just couldn't really find one that meshed with what I believe and my values and my ethics and where I wanted to go and things I was interested in. So I joined the Peace Corps. I served in the, the U.S. Peace Corps from 2000 to 2002. I was in West Africa and Senegal and working on public education and public health campaigns. That completely transformed my life as I think most Peace Corps volunteers it does. And then when I came home, I thought, how can I use my skills around marketing and education because the public health campaigns that we did in Senegal, you really had to do quite a lot of research and listening on the ground, probably about a year of living in the country, living in the village, 
living in the communities and really understanding how to communicate um, these kinds of public health initiatives, but also in a way that was authentic to the community that you lived in and what was going to resonate with them. So I found that I really enjoyed marketing. I really enjoyed doing market research and, and working in communities and worked in nonprofits for several years, fundraising, marketing, grant writing, cleaning the coffee pot, getting the balloons for the events, volunteer coordination. I mean, everything under the sun. And my, my journey to going off on my own, I was laid off from my job. I was nine months, eight and a half months, nine months pregnant with my first child. And what happened at that point was I had never thought about going off on my own at all and becoming an entrepreneur or becoming a business owner or running a consultancy. It just had never occurred to me. I thought I'm going to be a development director forever. And then I'll probably be an executive director. And then, I mean, who knows, maybe I'll go off and found my own nonprofit, but it really, it just really opened my eyes to the possibilities of what I could accomplish. My favorite story is when I um, was eight and a half months pregnant and true to form, I'm not going to take anything lying down. So I was job hunting. So <laughs> I'm six feet tall and I gained about 60 pounds with my first daughter. And I, I was going to these meetings and I would tell them, I'd say, you know, I'm pregnant. I just want to let you know. So I don't come in the door and you're totally shocked. Oh no, they were pretty shocked when I would come through the door and I'd say, Hey, I'm doing two weeks, but you need a development director. It's fine. It'll be fine. I'll just take a little sabbatical and it'll be fine. I don't know what I was thinking at all. So of course I did not get any of the jobs that I <laughs> applied for, but shockingly, you know, six months, a year later, they all came knocking on my door and called me and said, Hey, are you still available? And I said, no, I'm off on my own. So I really just took the leap and said, I'm going to hang up a shingle and be a fundraising consultant. I did grant writing freelance for a while. Um, I was a marketing director for hire. I would do your press releases. I would do your website, copy your email, your social media. And that kind of morphed into what I do now, which is much more around strategy. And like you just said, getting nonprofits into the digital age, kicking and screaming and revamping their programs or helping them mold their fundraising program to have um, a digital piece of the puzzle. Thank you so much for, for sharing the journey here. And so I have questions. So it sounds like your, your passion, right? Just naturally who you are is what led you to go into the Peace Corps. But I'm curious, during that two-year experience that you had, what about you shifted? Like, what did you learn about yourself uh, during that process and that period of your life? You really learn so much about yourself when you are completely plucked from your place of privilege in the United States and thrown into a different culture, especially where, where I was. So the, the Peace Corps volunteers that I was with and some of us in the Peace Corps, there's only about one to 2% of us 
that actually live in countries where there's, or villages or communities where there's no running water, no electricity, and they don't speak English. So we're kind of, you know, we call ourselves the (laughs) A-listers. Not to denigrate anyone else's Peace Corps experience, but I had a friend who lived in Romania. She had an apartment, you know what I mean? She worked in an office and it was very different from my experience. So there's only about one to 2% of us that go through that complete utter transformation. So it's really basically like being put on another planet and having to relearn everything. But also, of course, when you go there, as your little white middle-class self, you're thinking, I'm going to solve all the problems. I'm going to come out. I'm going to, you know, build a well or solve malaria, or you're, you think you just have these grandiose expectations and you're pretty much knocked to the curb right from the get-go. And you realize that you have to do so much more listening than talking. And that's hard for me. That's something that's actually very hard for me still doing more listening than I do talking and actually trying to understand other people's perspectives is something also that's very hard for me. You know, we all come in with preconceived notions of how we think things should be, things that we think need to be solved. There's obviously a lot of white savior complex that goes into the Peace Corps. Um, And I would say probably 85% of the volunteers I were, I volunteered with were Caucasian or white. So I think there's, there's that element of it that you just have to, you really have to address and understand, and you really come to grips with your own real true privilege and what you're experiencing. The other thing that I found really interesting when I was there talking to people about what I was doing about my service, about what it was like in Senegal. So first of all, people think Africa is a country. They think Africa is like one thing, right? They don't understand it's made up of so many different countries and cultures, ethnicities and languages and traditions and religions and all of that. They kind of think it's one you know, amalgamous like blob culture, or, you know, they think of Africa as one thing. They also think that people are somehow living simpler lives. This is something I heard over and over. Oh, aren't they so lucky? They don't have email or they're not, you know, they're living simpler lives or just this unbelievable condescending notion about how people live, um, especially where I lived. So really confronting your own beliefs around that things that you've seen in the media, obviously things that you've read, things you've seen in the news and truly trying to figure out how can I like reconcile what I grew up with learning and looking at and viewing. And then what the reality is on the ground, of course, in my little tiny corner, I cannot speak for all of Africa. I am I can't even speak for all of Senegal. I can't even speak for my entire region, which was Tampacunda. I can speak for my village. I can speak for the things that I saw and the people that I met. But you really need to, you check your ego pretty quickly. And you start to realize that when you are put in this situation, not only do the people that you're around have a lot of misconceptions about you, but you obviously have a lot of misconceptions about other people. So I I found it to be really fulfilling because the reason I joined was that I wanted to 
experience other cultures, but I didn't really want to do it as a backpacker. I didn't want to be in one city one day, another city, another day, another city, another day. I wanted to be immersed in a different culture and really learn deeply. But when you come out of it, you realize that there's, it sounds so corny, but they have given you so much more than you have actually given them. And it's a pretty humbling experience. Thank you for sharing that. So a couple of takeaways from that is that you learned the art and the skill of listening, which you are still applying today. Um, it challenged you to, you know, address and to face some of your own bias mm. in what you just had been taught to, to believe. And then certainly it sounds like it was a very humbling experience for you in, in many ways. And you actually ended up learning a, a ton from that. Anything specific that you learned from being in that space? Like, obviously, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of stuff that you've learned, but just thinking back, like anything that you've taken away from that experience that you're applying in your life today or you're applying in your business today? In my business, especially communication strategies where you have to address the audience first. So I think a lot of what we do and definitely what I did when I entered the Peace Corps, you have this notion that you're going to do things a certain way. You say, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do these trainings. This is what I learned in school. This is what I learned in training camp. I'm going to go in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and it's going to be great. And then once you learn more about the people that you're trying to talk to, you learn that might not work and you're going to have to shift your strategies and maybe you have to shift them on the ground, on the fly, everything that you think you might want to do or everything that you've planned, all of these kind of sunk costs, they could fly out the window really at any moment. We were trained to do a public health campaign around malaria prevention. So getting people to use malaria nets, getting people to dip malaria nets in specific, you know, insecticide, how to set them up correctly to put pregnant women, you know, to under malaria nets, all of these things we were taught in training. And then you get to the village and you realize what it's really like on the ground. Okay. You realize the men are all going to take all the malaria nets. That's just the way it was in my village. And people are not going to necessarily listen to how you instruct them to do things. You have to build trust first. You have to build credibility. You can't just walk in anywhere. It's sort of like marketing 101. You can't just walk in anywhere and say, I'm a credible source. I'm a person that you should trust. And you've been doing it this way for so many years. And I'm going to come in and kind of shake everything up and do everything differently. So learning on the ground and learning on the fly and just being really adaptable, being flexible. It's so funny. We didn't have the term influencer, obviously when I was there, we didn't really have the internet or social media, but the influencers find the influencers in the village. That's exactly what I did. I found the people that other people listen to. I found the teacher and the midwife, right? And the chief of the village's wife. I was just sort of like, who does everyone else really respect and listen to? I'm going to go talk to them and I'm going to get them on board. And then they're going to tell everyone else. So really it's influencer marketing, which now that I think about it, it really is the first influencer marketing campaign that I ever worked on because to change hearts and minds, to change behavior, if you don't have that trust built up, it's just not going to work. 
I love how that experience is translating into, you know, everyday life, right? Whether we're mm -hmm. talking about business, whether we're talking about our homes, our households, our jobs, whatever the case may be, building trust with others is first and foremost. Mm -hmm. In corporate world, it's building your allegiance or, you know, your, your board of directors, if you will. And so I love the way that like everything translates, whether it's in, you know, your professional life or your personal life. So transitioning, you come back, you are super excited, ready to conquer the world, mm -hmm. start your career down this path, and then you get this, I'm, I'm assuming heartbreaking news, especially being eight and a half months pregnant. And at what point for you was, did the realization come for you that, you know what, perhaps I can just take my skills and the gifts that I already have and leverage it to use, you know, to support other organizations that don't have me as a resource? I mean, it was the recession and my husband had just gotten a new job. We just moved into a new place. There were so many things going on. So I quickly said, how can I make money right now? And the way you made money back in 2009 was Craigslist, right? People were on Craigslist saying, I need someone to write a grant. I need someone to look at this annual report. I need someone to, you know, work with us on a marketing plan. I found so many of those kind of one-off clients on Craigslist. And then what actually spurred me to make this my business, I worked with UMass Boston. I will never forget they put so much faith in me and they said, we need to hire several positions, but we don't really want to hire them full time because of the benefits and, you know, the huge pay package that comes with that. When I um, applied for a specific position there, they said, I wonder if you would be willing to do several different positions sort of part-time and on a contract basis. And I thought that's really interesting. Uh, okay, I definitely will. And that gave me the confidence to then go out to other organizations and say, this is what I do. This is my business. Really the way it morphed into what I do today, I wrote a book and then I wrote another book. I've done a lot of speaking. I've written my blog for about 11 years. I've been on so many podcasts. I've been so fortunate. And I did a ton of free webinars for various software companies, for Network for Good and BlackBot, for people in the space. I just looked at where is my audience? Where are the people that I want to reach and talk to? And how can I get in front of them? And how can I really start building my brand and building my thought leadership? And it, I don't think it was very strategic in the beginning, but it was sort of like hustle, hustle, hustle. And that's what you do in the beginning. And really feel fortunate that... I have the opportunities now to be very selective and to, you know, take clients that I want to work with, to do speaking engagements that I want and to work on projects that I want to work on. But it's, it's always an uphill battle when you work for yourself because you are your own boss. And I, I consistently have to remind myself even after all this time. Really appreciate you tuning into this week's episode of the Journey to Becoming podcast. Taking a quick break to extend an invitation to my Facebook group, The Tribe of Courageous Leaders. The group exists to support ambitious, impact-driven leaders in their development, both personally and professionally. As a member of the free group, you'll have access to weekly live trainings on topics ranging from mindset, time management and productivity, leadership, to money management and business strategy. 
The group is tailored for those who love to learn and want to do so with other like-minded professionals. So again, I invite you to head on over to sabinegideon.com forward slash tribe to claim your spot and be sure to catch the weekly live trainings on Wednesdays. Dates and times are shared and updated within the group, so be sure to join. I look forward to welcoming you to the community and have included the link to the tribe right down below in the show notes. Now, back to the show. So you are currently building and managing an empire. You have your household, you have, you know, your beautiful children, everything else that you're doing. How do you create space for Julia so that you are able to pour back into you so that you can continue to pour back into your clients, into your family, into your community? This is something I struggle with. I think a lot of female business owners struggle with. It's nothing new, but I was just talking to uh, my best friend the other day and I was explaining to her that she needs to put her own oxygen mask on before she can put on other people's oxygen masks. You know, that, that analogy that they, they show you every time you go on an airplane. And then I thought I need to do that as well. I need to do that as well. So what happens a lot Um, and Sabine, I know you know this, when you're in consulting and you have a household or you have, you know, family members or anyone that you're caregiving for or friends, you feel constantly like this ping pong ball that every day it's the clients. What do they want from you? Emails. What do they want from you? And then you go after work, you're like, Hey, what does the family want from me? And what do my friends and family want from me? And what I've decided to do is really just eliminate a lot of the noise and the notifications. So I have very strict boundaries with my clients, which they actually really respect. And I say, you know, I don't check email after five. There's no emergencies. I work in digital marketing and fundraising. Like unless the website goes down, there's nothing that's going to kill you and it's not an emergency. So you can wait until the next day, right? If, if it's something crazy, you can text me, but no one ever does. So I have very firm boundaries with them. And then my family, what I try to do is have boundaries with them, but also the time I spend with them, I want it to be quality time. So we are really clear, like they go to school. I mean, they're in camp right now. We have daycare, you know, we have childcare. We're very fortunate to be able to afford these things, but that time is that time. And then when they're home, unless I'm working on a deadline, I'm usually with them. So I'm able to to dedicate that time, but you're talking about time for me. So that's something, (laughs) something else. I try to take a walk almost every day during coronavirus. I took a walk almost every day. I rented a spin bike from the local spin studio during COVID that I've kept. So I can do a virtual spin class if I want. That's, I really enjoy that. I think like I also am thinking I'm constantly processing things like when I'm walking or, or when I'm working out and then also just turning off my phone. And I know people don't like that. And they, especially like my mother and some other ones of my friends who are on Marco Polo and on Snapchat and on, you know, sending me all the messages all the time. And I, I'm like, no, you know what? I'm just going to turn off my phone at 6 PM. And just that's, that's kind of how I mentally um, detox. And the other thing is 
I know about myself is that people would not think I'm an introvert. I don't think I'm a true introvert, but I definitely notice that if I'm around people all the time, my battery goes down like a phone battery. So if I know there's a day where we have a barbecue and we have to go to my mom's and we have to now, of course, in COVID, you know, post COVID or the rules are relaxed where I live. There's so many different obligations in person. Now I know that I need to recharge. And I, I just have to talk to my husband, you know, and my kids and say, I need like, mommy needs to go in the bedroom for an hour, two hours and just watch a TV show or read a book. I just, I have to be really clear, especially because we're so like zero to 60 right now, you know, we were in lockdown and not seeing anybody. And now everything is opening up and all of these events are coming back and all of these, um, obligations are coming back. So I have to be really careful to know that, okay, this day, I know we're going to be seeing people all day. We're going to be on the go all day. I need, I know at night I'm going to be cranky and I'm just going to need some alone time. So I try to guard that as much as I can. It's challenging, but I do know that I'm just a better person when I have it. The biggest theme that I've heard is really setting boundaries mm. and then communicating those boundaries. I think that that's the the key piece, communicating it and, and re-communicating it or reiterating it as often as possible or necessary. And then really just being aware. It's, it's There's a lot of self-awareness in that, right? So recognizing who you are, your personality, what fuels you, what drains you, and creating space so that if you are in a, a draining environment for a long period of time, that you are aware of that and also create some space some opportunity for you to refuel and communicate that you need that time to refuel to those around you or clients or loved ones. So now that I'm going back into in-person speaking again in conferences, I did notice that I thought I was going to be very, I was excited to see everyone and go back and see some of my consultant and nonprofit friends, but it was so draining. It was draining on a level that I had not experienced before. So just to really be able to recalibrate and say, oh, normally I'd be able to go eight to 5 PM at a conference and then go to the reception after right now. It's like, no, I, I go back to the room or I don't go to the reception or I just really, really set those boundaries. It's just not overstretching yourself so that you become resentful. Yes. So switching gears here, as we as we look to wrap up, think about all of your experiences, you know, being the early childhood activist to now helping to support nonprofits and, and change agents in this space. With everything that you've done, everything that you've you've experienced and everything that you've learned, if you had an opportunity to go back and share a piece of advice with young Julia, knowing what you know today, what would you share with her? It's a really, it's a really tough one. I would say to younger Julia, just don't second guess yourself so much. Just really know it's, it's going to work out. You'll have some tough times. You'll have some incredibly challenging experiences, but just keep staying true to yourself. That is what really has helped me. I'm not a person that gets embarrassed, really. That's kind of my superpower. I'm not a person that necessarily really cares a lot about what other people think. I mean, I want to be respected. I want people to trust me and think I'm credible, 
But at the end of the day, I'm really not worried about like haters and naysayers and people that say you can't do it. And people that say, oh, you know, you're going to Senegal. What is, what does that mean? Or, oh, you're, you know, you're going to start your own business. Like that'll never work. So just constantly staying true to yourself and knowing that if you, like, if you believe in it, if you're thinking it's going to work, it will, and some things will not work, but you're, you're going to be fine. I think the main takeaway is you will be completely fine. And any path that you take, you know, you're just going to do your best at it. I love that. Staying true to yourself and just really just trusting the journey. Yeah. Uh, to wrap up here, Julia, where can the audience connect with you, reach out mm-hmm. to you or ask you questions? Sure. My website is uh, jcsocialmarketing.com. I'm on Instagram, Julia Campbell 77. Um, I spent a lot of time on Twitter, Julia C social. So any of those places, you can always reach me, DM me, send me a message. I'm happy to chat with anyone. Awesome. So again, you can connect with Julia on her website at www.jcsocialmarketing.com. Uh, connect with her on social. All of her, uh, all of her handles are listed in the show notes. And then one final question, uh, is there any takeaways or anything that you want to share with the audience before we let you go? For anyone that's looking to start their own business or thinking about it, you can do it. You absolutely can do this. I only did this because I was forced to, and I can't even believe that they don't teach this in school. People don't talk about it more. Absolutely. The new world post COVID, or we're still in COVID, but we're trying to get to the end of the pandemic. Everything, everything, every skill that you have, you can translate it into a business. So I just, I really want to encourage more people to take that step, especially if they're really unhappy in their, in their day-to-day work life. So you can do it. I'm living proof. So Sabine, just take that leap. I love it. Take the leap. All right. Well, thank you again, Julia. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for your wisdom. There are, believe it or not, a lot of nuggets around just uh, marketing for those uh, listeners who are in business or who are thinking about business. So go back, take notes, listen to what she shared, especially around building trust, identifying influencers, whether you're in corporate, whether you have a business, there's a lot that is applicable to whatever space that you're in. So Once again, thank you so much, Julia, for joining us. And we please connect with her on social. Let her know that you heard her on the Journey to Becoming podcast. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you were able to grab a few nuggets and some action items that you can begin implementing this week. I'll be back next week with some more actionable tips to help you along your journey of transition, change, and transformation. In the meantime, please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on the platform of your choosing. And if you really enjoyed this content, go ahead and share it with your network. Share it with a friend, a family member, whoever it is you know that might benefit from the information that was shared today. Until next time, have a wonderful and purposeful week.